Welcome to Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and this is the podcast that's all about art, creativity, and learning. We all could use a little creative nudge every now and then, something that will prod us, encourage us, and give us a shot of inspiration. Well, Artistic Accomplices is the podcast that does just that. It gives you small doses of motivation and creative encouragement. So as you make, create, play, and live, I'm here to share my thoughts on art, creativity, and learning. I'm also going to interview artists, writers, educators, and much, much more. So like the gym buddy that motivates you to hit the gym on a regular basis, Artistic Accomplices is that little voice in your ear telling you to hit the studio or to pull out the paints or to pick up the pen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive into today's episode. Thank you for joining me once again for Artistic Accomplices. I am your host, Eric Scott, and I am here to talk to you about art, learning, and creativity. Today's topic is something that um, I've dealt with before on the podcast in in one way, but I, I want to take a slightly different look at it, uh, look at it from a different point of view in today's broadcast. Um, so fall is in the air. It's that time of year. Um, you know, we just had Halloween. November's just kicked off. It's it's cold and uh, chilly here in Virginia, and uh, the leaves have been changing and falling. And it's my absolutely favorite, most favorite time of the year. Um, I really love the fall. I'm not. I think it's just because it gets crisper. Um, I don't know. I just I like I like the fall. But anyway, fall tends to be conference time for education. So um, here recently, uh, I had the pleasure of traveling to Oklahoma with my buddy, my pal, my artistic accomplice, David. And we were invited to be keynote speakers out at the Oklahoma Art Education Association's annual conference. So uh, we have a national association and then every state or most states have have a state uh, kind of affiliate association that's kind of part of the bigger national. And so every spring we have the national convention, which is something that's usually pretty big in, in, in one of the uh, bigger cities. But then each state or most states have a conference and many of those states have that in the fall. So it's kind of like back-to-back conferences uh, around here. So last week was the Oklahoma Art Education Association's uh, conference. And then this week, I will be going to uh, Virginia uh, for their state conference, uh, which that's where I live here in Virginia. And then I'll be heading down to Georgia for their conference. Again, going down there with David as uh, invited keynote speakers. So I love I love sharing with art educators. I love the, the conferences and being able to attend and present and speak at these conferences is one way that I that I get to connect to my fellow art educators because even though I'm not in public school anymore I'm not in that classroom I'm still an artist I'm still an educator uh, and I think it's really important for me to stay connected with those people and with the ideas and the things that are happening in 
art education. So I'm going to be talking uh, like I often do more from the, the, the point of view as an artist, as a visual artist, um, and talking about something that that I've spoken a lot about at my presentations over the last 18 years. I can't believe I've been doing conferences and uh, education co uh, conventions for the last 18 years, but it's something that I, that I really enjoy, and I, I feel that it's an extension of my teaching practice, uh, also an extension of my artistic practice, because I really feel like art educators need to engage with their art making and that if we can look at our students as artists and not as empty vessels that are waiting to be filled, then we can connect with them in a deeper way. So when I go to uh, conferences, uh, when, I, when I speak to art educators in general, a lot of times my presentations and my workshops, whether it's alone, uh, doing a solo act or with David uh, talking about the visual journal and talking talking about teaching a lot of that a lot of what we talk about is an idea of authentic art making and how do you get students to to open up and how do you allow students to to have space so that they are creating something that is authentic and meaningful to them. And like I said, I've talked about this issue before, more specifically uh, in episode eight, that was about product versus, or yeah, product versus process. Uh, I, I wanna come at it from a different angle, and it's this, this idea of authentic making. Um, <clears throat> so you, you might remember your time at school. Or perhaps you have a child that's in school right now or was recently in school. Or maybe you're even a teacher. Um, but if you think back to those days in school, a, a lot of students, especially in art class, um, made projects. So the, the teacher kind of says, hey, you know, here's what you're going to do. Here are the materials you're going to make. Here's what it's going to kind of look like. And everyone kind of sits down and they make this project, this, this product, this thing that the teacher has thought of. The teacher has come up with it. Um, I'm not saying that there's, there's, that there's something inherently wrong about that. I, mean, I applaud anyone that's, that's in the school system that's trying to give students a, a good art education, uh, especially since I'm no longer in, in there. I mean, I, I had enough and I walked away. It wasn't because of the students. It, it was because of all these other factors. But um, I walked away. I just, I, I, I felt like I wasn't connecting with people the way I wanted to in a classroom. And so uh, through these conferences, through uh, workshops that I give, and even through this podcast, I feel like I'm, I can reach out and I can touch people and I can connect uh, with people through these various, various ways. But oftentimes when we think about projects, a project is a very closed-ended thing. I mean, really, there's most often there's a very specific outcome where the projects look all alike, or at least very, very similar. And so when you see art projects in a school hanging up you know, for their fine arts night or just hanging up on display, 
or even the the projects that come out of classes taught by artists a lot of times they are very very similar um and when i look at them and i see that they're all nearly identical i kind of wonder i'm like well if the teacher makes all of the decisions then whose artwork is it anyway i mean is it really the student's artwork so how authentic is the artwork to the student who has very little say in what the outcome of that artwork is going to be. So if a teacher is deciding the size of the piece of artwork, the materials that are going to be used, the subject matter, the process or the procedure for uh, proceeding through the, the project, then whose, whose artwork is it? It's really the teacher. The teacher devised all of these things, all of the steps, all of the, the outcomes, and the student just follows direction. And a lot of people, um, art educators as well, will say, well, you know, that's how it's done. I mean, the, the teacher kind of stands up in the front of the room in front of the class and says, here, we're going to do this project. You're going to learn these things from it. You're going to learn how to do this. You're going to learn how to do that. Um, and it's a, it's a very teacher-directed, very teacher-dictated project. So I remember my, my art education growing up. So back in the late 70s, early 80s, I was in, uh, I, I was in elementary school in uh, southwestern Pennsylvania. We didn't have art teachers at the elementary level. We had it in middle school. We had it in high school. So it fell onto the classroom teacher, you know, my third grade teacher, my second grade teacher, to provide us with some kind of art activity. And, you know, these were very, very direct, teacher directed, uh, very specific projects, you know, from everything from cutting out construction paper jack and lanterns to making uh, leprechauns whose arms and legs moved. But the teachers, the teacher had a very specific, often seasonal, related project for us to do and we all kind of did the same thing now when I got into into high school it was still kind of that way the teacher the teacher would you know give us a project uh, you know make the decision about the materials about uh, the size about the the subject matter um, they give us a, a certain amount of time to do it and then we did it and I even taught that way. I mean, that's kind of how how I was taught to teach was that you created these projects, and and then you know you showed the students how to do it, and the students did it. And I, I did that for about half of my twenty year public school teaching career. And so it it kind of seems like oh yeah, that's the way it's always been. But I do remember in middle school and in high school. I still had a lot of choice. I mean, the teacher gave us projects, but they weren't like super strict on like it had to be this one thing The the teachers would more more or less show us a technique or a material, um, give us an idea and kind of let us go with it, kind of see where we, we would take it. It was more like a challenge. It wasn't so much like, here's here's the project you're going to make. Yeah, we had very specific parameters, like I said, about using certain materials, or maybe it was a certain size. But we had a lot of say 
and we were able to kind of spin it our own way and incorporate a lot of our own ideas. And thinking about that, when, when I had more choice in the projects that I was making in school, they were more authentically mine. I had more ownership over it because it wasn't, I wasn't just following the teacher's directions. I, I was working within certain parameters, but doing it in a way that I had some kind of voice, some kind of choice in what I made. But nowadays, it's it's like even there's even more kind of the, this like project based idea that these projects out there, especially when you look at Pinterest, you could just just search on Pinterest and find tons of projects. So a lot of art teachers, a lot of art educators nowadays, that's like their main mode of inspiration. It's like, oh, I can't think of something. So let me type in elementary sculpture project. And, you know, you come up with with a million different things that you could possibly do. Um, so but even on like YouTube and online workshops, a lot of that, you know, you, you see these projects. There's a lot of projects floating around. And even at a lot of the places that I teach, some of the art retreats, some of the studios that that I teach at, even at the art center that I run that I see a lot of very specific projects where all the students kind of make the exact same thing. And yeah, they, they don't come out identical for the most part. Sometimes they do. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's a very specific project that the teacher has come up with, has decided all the steps, has decided how it's to be done. And the student just kind of follows along. And when you have that kind of working, when you have that kind of mode, it's really, really hard for students to to kind of do their own thing. I mean, because you have a very specific, you, you do this, this, and this, uh, it should look like that. And when I taught public school, and I, like, I, like I've said, I've done that, I did that for 20 years. I taught both elementary and high school level. And at both levels, I would have students come up to me constantly, show me their artwork, and ask a very specific question. They would ask, is this right? So they're showing me their artwork and asking me if their artwork is right. Now, that might be a, an appropriate question for like a specific technique, like, is my shading right? Does that look like, you know, I know what I'm doing if I'm, if, if they're doing facial proportions for portraits, like, are my proportions right? Does it look like the person I'm trying to draw? That's a very, very uh, objective kind of, is it, is this right? But really their question was about the artwork in general or about following the directions. Am I doing this right? Am I following the directions that you told me? And I heard that constantly, constantly. I heard that throughout my uh, teaching career. And I think most art educators, most art teachers will tell you that they hear that all the time. And I think it's because, you know, the, the students are following directions, not creating their own work. Because I noticed that that question disappeared when I opened up my teaching and I allowed my students to have more authentic choices in their art making. So it wasn't about doing it right. It, it was about doing it, you know, their way. And if they got stuck with something, 
the question would be like, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? So they would run into a problem, then they would have to solve it. It wasn't about, am I doing this the way the teacher wants me to do? So I need to keep asking, is this right? Am I doing this the right way? Because the teacher's going to grade it. And if I'm not doing it the right way, then, then I'm, I'm not going to get a good, good grade. But here's the thing that there is really no right or wrong way in art. I mean, some people might sit there and be like, well, yeah, but there's a right way to like, you know, use the paint and use the pencil. And, but no, not really. I mean, there are some generally accepted techniques for using materials in a certain way, but artists are always pushing what they can do with the material. And there is no right way or wrong way of using a material. I, I would always tell my students, as long as you're not wasting the material and as long as you're not damaging something, then you're, you know, you're doing it right. Um, if you're doing it in an artistic pursuit, you're fine. I mean, if you're just sitting there playing around with stuff because you think it's a toy and not an artistic tool, then, then yeah, as a teacher, I would have a problem with that. But if they're using it in a way, they're exploring mark making, they're exploring color combinations, then no, there really isn't a, a wrong way or a right way of doing things. But I have seen many teachers, including artists who teach adults, basically like, yeah, you have to do it my way. It's very teacher dictated. And that they get upset if you don't follow their directions explicitly. But like I said, artists have always pushed the material. And they have consistently come up with new ways of using it. New, new techniques, new, new things uh, that they could do with a material. I mean, look at paint pouring. So if you're not familiar with it, uh, there's a, a technique where you use a very liquid, usually acrylic paint, and you pour it on a canvas, and there's lots of different ways to do it, lots of different variables to take in. Um, but you pour the paint, you, you can tilt the canvas, there's all these things that you can do, and you end up you can end up with some really amazing results from it. And there, there have been all these like new materials, like new additives to put into the paint to, to make it create certain effects. Uh, there are ways of doing it. There are all these different terms. It's become, it's become kind of a, its own type of art. And I think back like maybe five or six, seven years ago, and it wasn't really a thing. You didn't look around and be like, oh, look at all these artists doing paint pouring. But now you do see it. You see it a lot. Yeah. I remember as a kid, like spin art. And I remember my, I think my sister had it. Um, you know, yeah, you used a very liquid paint and the, the paper or whatever spun around and you, you know, you squeeze the paint on it, but this is a little bit different. You pour the paint on a, a canvas or a board, something that's sitting still, and you can manipulate the paint in various ways to create different effects. And so this technique has grown and grown and grown. And, and you know, like I, I look at it and there are some really cool results, but part of me is like, oh man, there's a lot of like wasted paint. So that's one of the things like, that's just something personal that I have with it, but it's become, oh, excuse me, it's become a very viable way of, of how to use paint. 
And so artists and even material manufacturers are looking for new ways to use their materials. So there's, there's not a right way or a wrong way, but in art class, like I said, whether it was in, in school or as an adult in a workshop, many instructors are pushing this notion that you have to do it a certain way. And they do leave very little room for the student to have those authentic choices in the art making process then the project becomes all about following directions. You know, you have to follow directions. And unfortunately, a lot of students kind of feel like, well, that's how it's done. And they expect that. You know, they look at the teacher as the expert, the person who knows everything, and they just follow along. And so I see that in a lot of adult workshops that they go in, these students go in, and they just want to do what the teacher does that has a very predictable outcome. But then again, I, I have to ask, well, whose art is it? If you're just copying or if you're just following directions, whose art is it? You're not making your art, you're making somebody else's art. And so for me, I, I just have a problem with that. And I don't want my students, whether they're the little kids that I teach at my art center or um, the, the adults that I teach across the country, I don't want them to do what I do. I, I want them to take what I'm teaching them, the techniques, the ideas, and incorporate that into the way they do things. So that they're learning from me, they're picking up things from me, they're being inspired by me, but they're not just following along and doing my my questions, or my questions, my, my uh, directions, following my directions. Um, so, I think it's about opening up our practice. So whether you're a teacher or you're an artist or a student, you know, how can you open up your practice? So if you're a teacher, I want to ask you, how can you open your art teaching practice to allow students to have more of a voice, more of a choice in the work that they make in your class? Again, whether you're teaching public school to little kids or middle school kids or high school kids, whether you're uh, teaching your own kids at home, or you're an artist who teaches workshops to adults. How can you allow your students to have more of a say in the type of artwork that they make? How can you open up your teaching practice to allow students to have authentic choices and to have that authentic voice in what they make so that they're taking what you're, what you're teaching and infusing that into the things that they do. And to me, that's exciting. That's, that's what gets me going is that when I see people take something that I shared and turn it, turn it on its ear and do something that I could, could have never predicted or something that I could never have imagined. So whether you're teaching little kids in school or adult workshops in person or online, how can you open your teaching practice to allow students to have more choice and more voice in the work that they make? And if you're a student, I am, I'm going to ask you, so if you are, you know, in school now, whether, whether, you know, public school or in college or Maybe you're just taking classes from some of your favorite artists. 
I want to ask you, how can you take what the teacher offers and incorporate it into the way you do things? How can you add those ideas to what you do? Sometimes that's a scary thing because you do you might have those teachers, you might have those instructors who are like, no, it's my way or the highway and this is how you're going to do it. And, you know, you might just do it that way just to appease that, that teacher, but then you can take some of those ideas uh, later on your own or whenever and add it, add what has value to the way you do things. So even if you're not a student, I'm sure that, uh, you know, as you're exploring your creativity, as you're exploring your creative endeavor, uh, maybe you're, you're watching videos, maybe you are uh, taking online classes, maybe you're going to go to the, the local library that offers something. Um, and how can you take something that, that person is sharing online or in person and add it to what you're doing and not just simply following directions so that you can make what they're making. I've said this many, many times on this podcast, but if you're creating, if you are exploring creativity in any way, that means that you're taking risks. And there are just so many risks involved when you're not simply following somebody else's directions. And I think that's why some people really like having directions because it's very safe. It's very comforting. You get that feeling that like, oh, I'm making something, I'm creating something. But are you? I mean, yeah, you're making something, but are you really creating? You're, you're copying, mimicking somebody else's work, following their directions to make what they make. So how is that authentic to you? So if you want to make something that is authentic to you, then you need to take risks. You need to open yourself up. So as an artist, as a creative individual, whatever it is that you are exploring with your creativity, you need to, to basically be able to take those risks to open yourself up to that unknown because when you don't follow directions, there is no known outcome. You might think you know how it's going to come out and uh, you may have sort of like tried some problem solving and some envisioning and you, you have an idea, but then as you do it, it does not come out anyway, like anything you had planned or thought about. Um, so yeah, you, you need to really open yourself up, open your practice, open your creativity up to that possibility. And there's just no way around it. If you want to grow as an artist, and we've, and we've talked about this before with the creative blocks about that idea of resistance, of judgment, of attachment, that you do have to face those things. And then you just have to make that decision, like, I'm going to push forward. I'm going to do this. And it, it, it gets more comfortable over time. And that's the key, is that how can you open your practice? So whether you're taking a class or teaching a class or doing something online, watching a video or teaching online, um, how can you allow 
your students or yourself to open up to your own ideas and incorporate what's being taught. So just kind of going to leave that there and um, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Uh, when I do my talks, give my talks to teachers, I always like to leave them pondering two questions at the end of my talks. And I always feel like like my talk should leave you with more questions that I, that I should not be able to answer everything that you were thinking about. Um, and, but th these two questions are always ones and they're more related to teachers. So I'll turn it around and, and ask, you know, if you're a student or if you're an artist or a creative individual, I'll turn it around. But, um, I like to ask these, these questions just to get, the people pondering and thinking as they're leaving the talk about how they want to approach teaching. And then, like I said, I'll turn it around and see how, ask a question to see how you want to approach your creativity, your art making, whatever it is that, that you're doing. Um, so here are the, the two questions. <clears throat> so if you're a teacher, are you a facilitator or a dictator? So are you facilitating a, an experience that will help students grow artistically and allow students to have authentic choices and an authentic art making experience? Or are you a dictator? Are you dictating how things have to be, how they need to be? Are you dictating the, the directions, the process? Are you dictating everything about it? Even, even if you're open, have a little bit of choice, you know, giving them the, the choice of, you know, blue or purple, that's not a big choice. Or this pattern or that pattern, that's not a big choice. So that's the first question. Are you a dictator or a facilitator? The second question, again, if you're a teacher, are you teaching your students to follow directions or are you teaching them to create their own direction? See, one of the big things that I hear from uh, my fellow teachers, uh, especially at the higher levels, like in, in high school and even in higher education, in college and at the university level, is that students come in and they don't know how to think. They don't know how to take risks. They can't problem solve because their entire lives, other people have either done things for them or told them exactly what to do and how to do it. And so, and I think in, in today's education environment where standardized testing is the king and, you know, you have, you have to pass these tests in order to graduate, that a lot of, a lot of teachers are teaching to the test to make sure that their students can pass. And they're doing that in very, very boring, very rote ways. And so students teach you know kids growing up now have a hard time solving simple problems and and part of that is that you know a lot of times their parents are doing everything for them and telling them exactly what to do and how to do it and their teachers are doing the same thing and so they can go through a large portion of their life especially you know those formative years and not really learn how to create their own direction. They're, they're just good at following directions. And I even have teachers who that's one of their criteria. So when they go to grade and assess 
work, they assess how well a student followed directions. And I'm like, really? How well somebody followed directions? And I'm thinking like, you know, jobs out there, yeah, you have parameters that you have to work in, but rarely do you have like, oh, these are very specific directions. Yeah, maybe you have a manufacturing job where it's like, yes, you have to do it this way. Um, But a lot of those jobs have moved out of the country. Um, And so, you know, if you're... If you're working in almost any field, you have to be able to solve problems. You have to be able to think creatively. So those are my questions if you teach in any capacity, whether you're, you're in public school or private school, uh, you're teaching um, uh, workshops for kids uh, at a local art center or in your studio, or, or you're teaching adult workshops, working with adult students, can't, you know... Are you a facilitator or a dictator? Are you teaching your students to follow directions or to create their own direction? So if you're just someone who's exploring their own creativity, uh, you know, you're taking classes, maybe you're a student, um, the, the, the question is just one question that I'll ask you, and that is, are you simply following directions or are you creating your own direction? So are you just following a recipe, following somebody else's step-by-step to create a certain thing? Or are you taking what that person is sharing with you and fusing it into the way you do things to create something totally new? So that's the question that I I just want to leave you. Are you following directions or are you creating your own direction and that's a that's a pretty big question so i'm just going to kind of leave it there let you ponder that because you know again there uh, there is no right or wrong answer it's just to get you to think and to think about how you approach your own creativity uh your own music making baking, cooking, sewing, whatever it is that you do. Um, And, you know, I'm all about creativity. And how can I help you to connect with your own creativity? Well, this is a a big one. This is a, a big question to ponder, to reflect on. And it's something that, uh, I don't think requires a simple yes or no answer. I think it, requires a lot of reflection and a lot of thought. So I'm just going to leave it there and uh, just want to thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of Artistic Accomplices. I appreciate it. And uh, as always, happy creating. Thank you so much. This has been Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott. Thank you for joining me.